All right, so it's good to be together this morning. I want to, uh, again, welcome you to be with us, sit back, relax, and hopefully we'll... Uh, We'll enjoy ourselves as we look at the Word of God and be challenged today. Uh, we're in a series that we're calling Storyteller, and we're looking at the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all. Uh, of anybody who told stories, Jesus told the most. He told the most. And if you'd like to follow along your notes and get those out, uh, and if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read a little bit today together as well. But look at this verse here. Uh, it's up on the screen as well as, uh, uh, well, it's up on the screen. It, sa- it says this in Matthew 13:34. Jesus used stories when he spoke to the people. It says, in fact, he did not tell them anything without using stories. So Jesus loved to tell stories. And today what I want to do is I want us to look at a story. It's a short story. It's only 35 words long. That's amazing. I don't know if you like short stories. It's 35 uh, words long, and it's found in Luke chapter 7. We're going to read verses 36 through 50. And if you have a Bible, uh, whether it's on your iPad, iPhone, or, or you've got one that's covered in cow leather, uh, here we go. Let's read it together. Now, this is in Luke um, chapter 7. I'm so busy up here with all kinds of stuff in my hands. Um, we're going to pick it up. In verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had been invited, uh, advi- Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Now here's the parable. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house... You give. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my head. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins... Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who can forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a story. And it's in this story we have a short story. 
of two debtors. You know, uh, Jesus has just been preaching, and a Pharisee has been listening to him, named Simon. And he says, I want you to come to my house, and, and we're going to eat. And so they, he comes to, to Simon's house. Now, his house must be a little larger than most people, because it has a courtyard. It's, a, it's an open area. And how do you know that, Tim? Well, um, people had access to get to the, pe- the guests at the table. They were able to get to them very easily. So it's believed that he is, they're eating in a courtyard, and it was a place where people would hover around and would listen in on the discussion that the Pharisee would have with other guests in his home. Simon is a Pharisee, which means separate one. Now, what does it mean by him being separate? He means he's morally separate from the rest of society. He's upright. He's respected. But he's also socially distanced Distant himself, distant himself from uh, the rest of society. So he's not really a person who mingles with the people that much. And when he invites Jesus to his home, you might get the impression, oh, he wants to get to know Jesus. Well, it's more out of curiosity than out of some kind of love or friendship that he's inviting Jesus into his house. He's curious. He's not sure what to make of him. Now, the guests at a table would sit differently than we do today. Today, you know, we sit in a chair and our feet are under us. But, it, but in the, during the times of the Bible, they would recline. In fact, that's what it says here in the NIV is if they would recline. That's true. They would kind of recline and with an elbow, maybe like this or like this or whatever, with their other hand free to maneuver through the table and eat. And their feet would be tucked behind them rather than under a table of sorts. That explains how the woman's able to stand behind him and her tears fall on his feet. Now a woman shows up. This isn't just any woman. It's a woman that Simon recognizes, and he says, if, in fact, he says, I'm not even sure, this, maybe, I guess he isn't a prophet. Now I know he's not a prophet, because if he were a prophet, he would know that this woman is a sinful woman. That this woman shouldn't be touching him. She's standing behind Jesus. I get, the imp- I get this picture where he, she's standing there, and she begins to weep, and her tears accidentally hit his feet. And she's like, oh my. And she gets down on her knees and she begins to try to figure out, what am I going to use to, to clean these tears off? This is, this is awful. You know, because um, she knows this is the Lord. And so she's thinking what she can do. So she unties her hair, which is a super no-no. Because it's more of a sexual gesture that she's used to doing, letting her hair down. She's a prostitute. And she's, that's all she has. There's no towel. There's nothing else to use. So she takes her hair and begins to wipe up her mess on the feet of Jesus. And then she just can't help it. She's overwhelmed with, this is the Lord. This is someone who's forgiven me. And she begins to kiss his feet. And then she realizes she has some perfume. And she takes it out and breaks it open and pours it on his feet. And the smell of this, the fragrance of this perfume is filling the room. And the sound of her kissing his feet continually is interrupting thought and discussion. And that's when Simon goes, if he only knew the kind of woman that's touching him 
And he's, by the way, the word touching here is not just somebody's touching, but he's, he's implying kissing his feet. She's doing something inappropriate. It's sexual. And it's not inappropriate. And it's not sexual. He's just jumping to conclusions. And he thinks to himself, if Jesus was only aware, if he only knew, and the thing is, guys, Jesus knew. He knew who she was. And he realizes there's somebody in the room that isn't aware of something. And it's not him, and it's not the woman. It's Simon. And so Jesus says, i got a story I want to tell. And here's a guy who calls him teacher, which means here's a Pharisee who's a teacher who isn't sure he's a prophet, not sure about him, doesn't welcome him when he comes in the door, doesn't wash his feast up, doesn't give him oil. So you get this impression that when Simon says, tell me, he's not saying it because of respect. He's going, okay, whatever, just say it, tell me. What are you going to teach me, teacher? You don't even know who's touching you. And so Jesus tells him the story of these two debtors. A guy that owes 50 denarii. Another person owes 500 denarii. And they can't pay. And the, and the money lender cancels both debts. And he asks a question. And Simon has no idea that the parable is luring him in. He's one of those characters in this story. He's, he, and he knows this is what parables do. But he, he's, he's caught up in it. And he's trying to be careful. Well, who do you think, who loves, who loves uh, the money lender the most? Oh, well, let me see here. What's he trying to do here? Uh, you ever had anybody like that who's talking and you think they're sneaking up behind you? And that's what's going on. He's like, well, I guess the guy you loved him the most. And, you know, that, that, that would be the one. And you're right. You're right, Simon. And then he drops this grenade right in the middle of his thinking and his attitude. What's this parable about? You know, I, I've, I've, I've studied the parables a long, long time now. I don't, I, I don't say all my life. Of course not all my life, but a lot of my life, most of my life. I've read these parables. And, and today, I was, it's such a simple, simple story. But don't let the shortness of this story fool you. It is very powerful. What does it teach us? If we were like Simon and said, Lord, tell me, tell me, what do you want to tell me? Tell me this story. He goes, okay, well, here's what the story means, church. Here's what the story means, Simon. The first thing is, everyone has sinned against God. You want to know, everybody sins. Everybody sins. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. And he says, one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. A denarii was an equivalent to a day's wage. So here's a person that owes 50 days worth of wages, and here's another one that owes 500. A little, you know, over a month and a half versus almost two years. Ten times the difference. And, and the thing, I, I, was, I kept reading this over and over again as I was studying for this. Everybody's saying, well, the amounts don't matter, the amounts don't matter. Then why does Jesus bring it up? Why does he even say, well, one owes 50, one owes 500? I think he's trying to tell us, whether you think you've got a lot of sin or a little sin, you owe God. You owe Jesus. Whether you got a lot, and by the way, in this room, 
Some of us here, we sin a lot. A lot. A lot this week. And some of you say, you know, I got through the week pretty good. Maybe a couple places. You know, everybody sins at different degrees. Nobody sins the same amount, right? But everybody sins. Would you agree with that? We have to remember that, don't we? Those of us who sin a lot, we need to remember everybody sins. Nobody's better than you. And those of us who sin, we think a little, guess what? We're sinners. We're sinners. I think it's interesting here is, I don't know about you, but even those of us who uh, earn a minimum wage, would 50 days of that wage be a lot of money to you? Yes. Yes. Almost two years? Absolutely. They're both large amounts, and they both owe you know, it's funny, I, I heard somebody said this to me. I can't remember if it was out here in the foyer or I heard somebody tell me, you know, in the Titanic, whether you're on the first class deck or the third class deck, you're sinking down, you know, you're going down together. And it's true. And we maybe forget that. Some of us may forget that at times, that we all need Jesus. If you're a guest here this morning, I want you to know you're in a room filled with sinners. We are not perfect. We're not a perfect church. We fall short, far short of being a perfect church. We're a messed up church. You say, well, okay, you might be messed up. I'm not as messed up as somebody over there. You're messed up. We're all messed up. And we need to admit it. We need to admit it. Look at the Bible warns us about here in 1 John. John said this, If we see we have no sin, in other words, refusing to admit that we're sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray. If you don't think you don't sin, he's saying you're delusional. You're only lying to yourself. And it's that lie that will get you in more trouble. And this is Simon's problem. He sees sin, but not his. He sees everybody else's. He sees the woman's. And he's thinking, man, if you only knew. He sees hers, but he doesn't know about his own. He's not in tune with his own sin. And you don't have to have a lot of sin to lose your way when it comes to seeing yourself as you really should. His pride, his pride is keeping him from seeing himself accurately. Guys, I want to say this to you. I want you just think about this. It doesn't matter if you sin less. You are not sinless. And those of us here who are charter members, have been Christians a long time, you may have, and praise God, you've been able to overcome strongholds and, and painful experiences and, and habits. But you know what? It doesn't mean you're squeaky clean, does it? We're still sinners, even the best of us. That's one of the things that Jesus is trying to get across to Simon. Now remember, he's trying to get Simon to understand this. The woman is having no trouble understanding it. She knows she's a sinner. 
Number two, everyone is spiritually bankrupt before God. That's the second thing. That includes you. That includes me. We are spiritually bankrupt. Look what it says in the very first part of this verse, in verse 42. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. Circle neither. Neither. What's that mean? Whether they owed a lot or a little, it was over their head. It was above their pay grade. They weren't able to pay it. It was more than they could handle. And regardless of the amount of sin in your life, guys, whether it's more or less, it is more. Listen to me. It is more than you can pay. It's more than I can pay. Everybody falls short. Everybody falls short. As a Christian, do I need to remember that? Absolutely. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't make me better than anyone. Yesterday, after, the, after uh, Alan's seminar, I went home, or I was heading home. Uh, we're going to get back here for Susan Gabir's birthday party and um, her 25 times 2 birthday party. I like that. I'm going to remember that. 25 times 3, I'm going to do it like that. But um, on my way back to the, I got back to the shop. I was going to pick up some, some paint. I'm painting some stuff at, at home. And um, I'm getting ready to get in the truck. And out of the corner comes this homeless lady. Scared me to death. Scared me to death. She was only this tall. You know, here I am almost twice her height. Scares me to death. I'm sorry for scaring you. <laughs> I go, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, and she goes, I need some help. Well, what is it? And she has a bag, and inside the bag she has, she has some stuff from Walmart. And I'm looking at her, and her shoes, the toes are blown out. You can see her toes. They're dirty. Her hair is just in bad shape. Um, teeth are all messed up. And she says, uh, I need a ride. Could you give me a ride? I said, sure, where? I need a ride to the bus stop. I don't want to wait at Walmart. Could you t- well, where do you want to go? Could you take me to the bus stop down there by ConAgra, that one down that way, down heart of uh, Alton? Sure, get in the truck. Are you sure? Yeah. So we get in the truck. She goes, now I stink. I stink. I go, okay. Now I grew up on a hog farm. Anybody here grow up on a pig farm? We know what stink is, right? We know stink. This woman stunk. It was awful. And she kept saying, I'm so sorry, Tim. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I stink. I'm off. I haven't had a bath. And I'm just trying to get, trying to get back to Wood River. And, and, and some, of, some people were telling me they already know who she is. And I, I didn't know her. I'd never met her before. And she tells me her name. And I, and I go, oh, I, well, I, my name's Tim. And, and she says, uh, I, you know, I thank you so much for taking me all the way down here to this bus stop. And I said, well, yeah, I'm okay. Because I have no friends anymore. My family's disowned me. And I'm about 60 years old. Happens to be about the age I am, you know. Same age. Close to the same age. She grew up listening to 70s music and disco and watching, you know, good times and all in the family. I mean, she's had the same kind of up, you know, experience I've had so far as when it comes to things. And I'm listening to her. She won't look me in the eye. 
She goes, some people say I've got Tourette, you know, and I'll say, I'm liable to say anything to you, Tim. And I'm going, well, you know, I have some friends that, that uh, have Tourette and OCD and a host of other things. I didn't mention you in particular, but... <laughs> And she just kept saying, I'm sorry I smell so bad. She smelled like a dog pound, a dog doo-doo. It was just awful. I'm going to ask you something, Tim, and I know you're not going to like it. And I'm going, oh, what are you going to ask me? She goes, could I, could I have some money? I said, sure, I'll get you some money. So we're driving along, and she goes, I see you've got a Bible. You love Jesus? I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me. And you know what I start doing? I start comparing. I start comparing our lives. And she's sitting there going, I'm just so messed up, Tim. I, I don't have any, I don't have a home. I don't have any, I'm staying, I try to get the Salvation Army and they won't take me and I'm trying to get over here and they, I got to have some money before I can get back in. And so she said, I hope you don't, you're not, you're not going to like what I got to say. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I said, what is it? I need some money. Could you give me some money? I said, I'll get you some money. So we get down to the bus stop. And as we're talking, I told her, I said, can I say something to you? And what's that? He goes, I want you to know, just because you see this nice truck and you see my clothing and my hair all combed, I need Jesus just as much as you do. And I told her that Titanic thing. So we're in the same boat. And she laughed. She goes, oh, that's funny. And I go, but it's true. We're in the same boat. She goes, there's an ATM over there. And I go, okay. So I go over there and I'm trying to get, here's my, God has blessed me to where I do not know, know how to use an ATM machine. I don't know how to use it. So I go back. I said, listen, I said, I, I, got, I got some money. I want to have to break it, though. Let me, let me uh, I'm going to go right over here. No, you're not. You're going to drive away and not come back. I said, no, I'll be, I'll be back. No, you won't. This happens to me all the time. People say that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm telling you. No, I understand. You know, people like you, you get tired of people like me. And I'm going, you remember my Bible in the truck? She goes, Yeah. I said, okay, you're going to find out whether or not I read that thing. And, I, and I, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. And I want to tell you, I don't know who you've been meeting that carries their Bibles and breaks their promises. But you're, going to, you're meeting a man that's going to make his promise good. So give me a second. So I go down to Danny's Bar. <laughs> right there by Max. At first service, I said, anybody know where Danny's Bar is? I know, it's right after the, right after the seminar. Right after the seminar, I'm drinking. And I went to the bar and I said, I need a drink. No, I didn't say that. I said, because I got this lady down in the crate. No, I, I, I go in, I go in and, and there's six people. And the bartender's got tattoos from head to toe. And I'm like, and I got a $50 bill in my hand. I'm going, trying to get somebody's attention. I said, can I get a break and change this 50? And some lady says, you need to go over there to that machine and play it. Maybe you can make some money. <laughs> I just need two twenties and a ten. I know better to give her fifty bucks. And so I said, sure. And it and that place smelled bad too. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. You know what I started doing? I started comparing there too. So I go back out and get in my truck, drive by, and there she is. 
and I, and I give her $10. I go, here. And she says, thank you so much. And she's afraid to touch me. She's afraid to touch me. And I touch her, just her fingertips as our handshake, and her hands are so soft. And I was messed up. I was so messed up after that. Drove home. I could still smell her. It was awful. And I said, Lord, I just know after this stench is gone, it's going to slowly fade away. But will, will this, what I just experienced, fade away? I don't want it to fade away. Because I got a wake-up call. I'm just a couple of decisions away from where she is. And she's only a couple of decisions away where I am. And I couldn't help but think, we both, without God, are spiritually bankrupt. I couldn't help but think, God has been so good to me. I had a praying with James Lampley this morning. He's the preacher over at the Godfrey Church. And he said, you know, Tim, uh, God's good to you. That's what you need to remember. And I said, I need to remember I, I will always need God. Because as Christians, as we get older, we start thinking our dirt ain't dirty. Our stink ain't stinky. And God reminds us. Remember that song, That Could Have Been Me? Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's what I was thinking of. We're all in the same boat. We're all spiritually bankrupt. The Bible says, For all have sinned and are made destitute of the glory of God. I thought, what an interesting way to say that. I mean, the Bible translations all come up with different things. Fall short, you know, things like that. Why destitute? You know, destitute to me means penniless and broke. That's what destitute means. If somebody's destitute, look it up. That's what it means. Penniless or broke. But this Greek word behind this word, falls short or destitute, is the Greek word eusterio, and it means to lack, to fall behind. And I couldn't help but think about, I fall behind the payments. I get upside down. I am spiritually bankrupt. Look at, look at David. Look how David said it. We can never redeem ourselves. We cannot pay God the price for our lives because the payment for a human life is too great. What we could pay would never be enough. So I want to say to you, if, if you've sinned a bunch, you're spiritually bankrupt. But I want to say to you that, that think like Simon, I don't think I sinned that much. You're still spiritually just as bankrupt as the one who sinned a lot. We're in the same boat. Even David would say, Lord, pardon my iniquity. It's just too great. It's too big. I can't handle it by myself. The third thing I feel is good news. It's good news. And that is everyone can be forgiven by God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Everybody, anybody can be forgiven by God. Look at this. Out of, out of the idea of everybody owed and everybody was in over their head, the, the, the money lender, it says, so he forgave the debts of both. 
He's trying to get, Jesus is trying to get Simon to see whether you owe a lot or a little. It's, you're in over your head, and it's God that pays the debt of both. Both debts are, camp, are canceled. I want to say to you this morning, it's in, some of, somebody needs to hear this this morning, besides Cheryl. You need to hear this. I'm talking about Cheryl who rode in a car with me, uh, this homeless woman. I want to tell you something. You need to know, too. Somebody here needs to know this. No matter how deep you're in, you can get out of it. No matter how deep it gets and how crappy it gets, you can get out of it. God can forgive it. Your friends may never forgive you. Your enemies may never forgive you, but you have a God, which His forgiveness matters more than anyone else's, quite frankly. We'll forgive it. I noticed, I noticed that both are canceled, but they had to have been paid to be canceled because you, debt just doesn't disappear. It affects, it goes somewhere. Um, we have damage that happens. I'm in the auto glass business, and we have things that happen where things get broken. Often. Often. I say that because I have two installers. Two of my installers are in this audience. One is my most experienced installer, and that's Danny, and the one that has the least experience, and that's Corey. And Corey, you know, uh, we had something happen on a, on a Mercedes. Do I have to say any more? <laughs> and, and we struggled with, you know, we got photographs. This lady's going, he did this, he did this. Now he, we believe you should point out all the damage you've done. And Corey pointed out a little damage he'd done. A little. She found more. Uh, $1,400 more. I mean, this doesn't happen on a Ford Fiasco. You know what I'm saying? This kind of damage you can fix with a couple of bucks, not a Mercedes. And so then I get photographs from other people saying, look, the similar damage caused by this and this this. I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm going to argue with her. You know, the customer isn't always right. I was mistaken. Because they think they are, and... This lady goes off on me. I said, well, have you ever thought maybe it might be caused by something? She calls the insurance company. She calls Plaza. Uh, she calls everybody she can find except the president to get action on this. And I, yes, ma'am, you will take care of it. I, don't, I can't prove her wrong, and I can't prove me right. But somebody's paying for the steering wheel. And guess who's paying for it? Corey is going to be paying for the snow. He's not. No, he's, not. <laughs> no, no. he's not paying for it. You know, when, my, when, when Nathan told him, guess what happened? Steering wheel got damaged. It cost $1,400. And his response was, oh, my. <laughs> I would say that. I would say that, too. And, and I realized then and there, somebody's paying for this, and we're paying for I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it. I didn't even do it. I'm not even sure Corey did it. But there's damage and somebody's paying for it. And I hate it when somebody thinks I'm trying to put one over on them or I'm guilty of something I'm not guilty of. I wonder how God feels when all that sin got pinned on Him that you and I committed and will commit. His love is amazing, guys. And somebody pays for the debt. You know, the moneylender paid 500... He was the one that paid 550 denarii. It wasn't the two that owed. 
And when God, so what's Jesus trying to tell this man? He's trying to tell Simon something the woman already knows. And she knows that someone else paid for her sin. She knows that's the Christ, the Son of God, that's going to pay for her sin and can forgive her and wipe it out. How does he pay for it, Tim? He pays for it with the life of his son. Look at Romans 5, 6. When we were unable to help ourselves, the Apostle Paul says this, who called himself the worst sinner that ever lived, he said, when we were unable to help ourselves at the right time, Christ died for us. By the way, Paul was a Pharisee too. Simon wasn't like this. Paul was like this. And he says, well, what is he saying? He said, when I was bankrupt, when we were bankrupt, when we couldn't pay it back, when we're in over our head with sin and somebody has to pay it all back, Jesus paid it back. He died on the cross. Everybody sins. Everybody's spiritually bankrupt. But everybody can be forgiven. Number four. And this is the one I think that Jesus was waiting to get to. Everyone's response to God's mercy matters. He's saying it all matters. I know we get so concerned about other people and are they, are they going to be convicted about what they've done and own up to what they've done? And you know what? I better make sure I'm owning up to what I do. Because it matters. How much does it matter? Oh my, it's big. So big. So big that he shows the difference between the woman and Simon. He helps Simon see this. I mean, after he shows everything they have in common, he says, now I'm going to show you something different. There's something different about this picture. Something different about the two of you. You've got all this in common. And he starts with a question. He says, now which of them, he's saying, which one of these, in verse 42, um, last part of it in verse 43, now which of them will love him more? What a question. Which person will love the moneylender more? The one that owes a whole bunch or the one that owes a little? And And Simon says, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. And what does Jesus say? You've answered that correctly. When a person sees their debt and it's forgiven, and they see the size of it, they respond proportionately the same way. Why are you asking this question, Jesus? I thought to myself, why are you asking it? And I think here's his answer. Because, Tim, your love for Jesus is directly connected to your awareness of your sin and my mercy. Let me say it again. Guys, your love for Jesus Christ, the way you treat Jesus, you see two people treating Jesus totally differently in this passage. Do you notice that? One's treating Him one way, one's treating Him another. And it's based on how they see themselves and how they see the mercy of God. My concept of my sin, in other words, shapes my concept of salvation and my Savior. Look what he says here in verses 44 through 47. Then he turned toward the woman and he said, Do you see this woman? He's the one who pointed her out. Right? Of course I see the woman. No, you don't. Let me show you what you don't see. 
I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. It was customary when you walked in a Middle Eastern house that they would meet you at the door with a servant and they'd wash your feet. Why? Because you wore sandals or no shoes at all and you walking on that dirty, crappy road where livestock is and you know what I'm saying? It's not good. You ever seen a meadow muffin? You ever seen a cow patty? Do we now know what I'm talking about? Okay. Horse apples? What's a horse apple? <laughs> Google it. Okay. <laughs> Oh my, everybody's Googling. <laughs> he says, man, you didn't give me water for my feet. You know what water she gave? It was from her eyes. Her tears. She's wiping. She has no towel, so she takes her hair down, knowing what you would think. And says, you know what? Sometimes people doing something is, may have the appearance of something else, but what she's doing is love, real love. She may let her down, hair down for other men to, pl- give, to give them pleasure. She's letting her glory down to glorify and honor me. Totally different. He goes, you did not give me a kiss. Usually a guy would walk in to a room, you'd give him a kiss. Now Simon's not giving him a kiss. He's not washing his feet. Do you get the impression maybe he's dissing on him? Trying to say, you know what? I'm going to show, you know, I don't have to respect you. And all of his friends are like, yeah, that's right. You don't even kiss me, because to kiss him would give him honor. No, no, we're not going to do that. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Is she still kissing his feet while Jesus is talking? You betcha. Did you put oil on my head? A lot of times you're walking, I don't know, it's uh, Middle East, Texas, they're kind of a lot alike. Lots of sun, lots of arid places. I know it's not all that way in Texas and in the Middle East. But when you're walking around, it's hot, and the sun's bearing down on you, and, and you come inside, and they, they would put, give you oil, and they had ointment, and they'd put it on your face and on your hair, and you'd feel better. You'd just feel better. Because you didn't give me any oil. This woman busted open perfume, and not on my head, but put it on my feet. Lord knows what she'd have done, what she'd have put on my head. She puts it on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. It wasn't her love that, for, that got her forgiveness. In fact, it says her faith is what was the source of her getting forgiveness from Jesus. But she shows her great love. You see that? Great love. Then it says this, and this is the part I, was, I really wrestled over this verse. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And I overthink things. I know that. I looked at that. Here's the contrast, Tim. Great love, little love. Many sins. Many sins have been forgiven. So you're saying that if you only have a few sins forgiven and you forgive them, I'm not going to love as much? Is that what he's saying? Heavens, no. Remember what we said? Are 50 days wages a lot of money? Yeah! It's still a lot! And by the way, I'm not so sure Simon was re- really only had like 50 days of wages like sin. I think Jesus was saying that for his benefit so he could identify he says, you probably got more sin to forgive than you realize, dude. Amen. 
And he says, look at how different these, you, the two of you are. Her love is radical. What do you mean, Tim? There's no question how she feels about Jesus in front of people. She isn't just loving Jesus at church. Nobody questions my love because I'm singing. The plate goes by. I put money in. Nobody going to question that. No, she isn't, that isn't what she's doing. She's in public and nobody questions her love for the Lord. They see it. They see this, this great love. Not his love. Hers is radical. His is reserved. More reserved. Amen. Ask yourself, which are you? Which one do you identify with look like? Because your love, guys, my love, your love, is a confirmation of how we really feel about our sin and God's forgiveness. She's humble. She humbles herself. Simon, you're too proud. She's generous. Would you say she's generous? Absolutely. What's Simon? You're selfish. You're selfish. She doesn't care what other people think. And he bows to peer pressure. I don't want my friends to think I've given too much honor here to this guy. Cause... And basically he's saying, she honors me and you don't, Simon. Why not? The woman has a deep sense of her sin. And Simon, all you have is a superficial, shallow sense of yours. And it shows itself up in a lack of gratitude and a lack of love. And by the way, I think that's why the woman is actually closer to Jesus than Simon. He's still separate as a Pharisee. He's still distant as a Pharisee because he hasn't, he hasn't realized how much mercy he needs. So he isn't drawn. And by the way, if you're a person, if you're a person that says, you know, i got so much sin, I don't have no business coming to church, you got it backwards, folks. You've got it backwards. That's the first place you need to be. You need to be with Jesus when you have sin in your life. This woman gets it. Why? Because Jesus forgives. Jesus loves the sinner. She, he doesn't sit there, she doesn't go there and go, well, you know, i got so much sin, I'm not worthy to be with Christ. You know, I think, I, sometimes I think that's just a big cover-up for the pride people have. It's the big cover-up. They don't want to submit to this Jesus. So that's their righteous excuse. And that's all it is. Not even righteous. It's an excuse. You see, guys, I feel like it's... it's I'll say this to you. Just like Cheryl, and I'm, I'm comparing myself to her. It's so easy, guys. It is so easy to feel like my sins are so few. It's so easy when I compare that I, that I look at other people's sins with a magnifying glass and look at my, you know, my own with my glasses off. I can't see very good. You know what I'm saying? Those of you who know what I'm talking about, I can't read anything. I've got to have these babies. Oh, now I can see. You know, we say things like this. Well, I'm not so bad. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal anything. I pay my bills. I drive the speed limit. It's almost like we're saying, I sin ten times less than the addict. 
or the murderer or the thief. It's like I've got ISIS way up here, but I'm way down here. So what? That's what Jesus says. So what? So what? You got you you, you sin as much as so and so. You still are a sinner. You're still messed up. You still need grace. You still need me. And see, here's here's the here's the dangerous part. This is the part I feel like that we've got to really got to pay attention to Simon here because the dangerous part is this: this idea of whoever has been forgiven little loves little. What he's saying to Simon is Simon. Because you don't, you don't see your sin very much, and you don't see my mercy that much, you see it as less, then you also see me as less in your life, and your obligation to me as less in your life. You see, that's what happens when we start comparing and thinking, well, like, like my great-grandmother used to say, some people think their dirt ain't dirty. All I'm telling you guys is, all I know is that you've got a self-righteous, self-reliant, and smug Pharisee that doesn't see the bigger picture. And I just want to ask you this morning, do you find yourself, as you've been a Christian for years, I've been a Christian for so long I've lost count. And it's so easy to think, you know, I'm pretty good now. God is good. And this isn't about more goodness. Honestly, I mean, you say, so I should do what I want? No, you should do what your God, your good God wants you to do. But if I'm not careful, and here's here's what's happened to Simon. He's missed Jesus altogether. He's not, I don't think, I don't think Simon changes. The woman has changed. She's went from this life of bondage to this life of freedom. I heard somebody said it this way. If somebody was in jail for 30 years, in prison for 30 years, and they got out, versus a guy who was out of jail for one day, who would appreciate the freedom more? And I get that. Of course the person has been in prison a long time. I get that. But none of us have been in prison of, in a prison of sin for a day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no such thing. And I've learned this over the years. It's hard to appreciate the greatness of God's love when it's put up against so little. Again, look at this verse. This is the message, and it's a paraphrase, but I think it does a very good job of capturing what Jesus is trying to say. She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. Yet the forgiveness is minimal. The gratitude is minimal. See, it's not that God forgives so little. That's not the problem. He forgives it all. I don't know if I see it all. I don't know if I see all the things that God has forgiven in my life. And I'm just afraid many of us here, many of us here, you talking to me, Tim? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Many of us here have got this attitude that our dirt ain't as dirty as it used to be. And it makes us smug and cynical to where we look at somebody like Cheryl and go, boy, sucks to be you. 
instead of being grateful to God. And it affects the way we treat Jesus. Most of all, the way we treat Jesus. I'm that bad, bad, bad a person, therefore, I can, you know, I'm fine. And he deserves so much more. Do we really see God's love is what I'm asking this morning. Do you really see His love in your life? It's so important because your love is going to be based on whether or not you recognize that great love. Look how John said this, who was the apostle of love, who wasn't known for his love for a long time, learned to love, said, we love him because he first loved us. He says, I love the Lord because he's the one that loved me. I'm beginning to see it. I read this somewhere. When, when I see what God has done for me, He will become dear to me. Let's close this lesson out. In 1830, a guy named, by the name of George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. Now the penalty for mail theft was hanging. Wow. Wow. That's what I said, yeah. Now this, this, uh, this came across Andrew Jackson's, the President of the United States at the time, came across his desk and he decided to pardon uh, George. And so he writes out a pardon and sends it up, but Wilson refuses the pardon. Now the authorities are puzzled. They don't know what to do. Do we let him go or do we hang him? I mean, he's, we hear your pardon. I don't want it. What do we do with this guy? So they ask the chief justice by the name of John Marshall and he ruled on this and this is what he said a pardon is a slip of paper the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person pardoned if he refused to pardon then it's no pardon so hang him and they hung him you don't think your response matters this is just on paper This is just paper. You understand me? The pardon is on paper. How you respond to this determines life or death. Your eternal life. It determines how you love Jesus. That's why IOJ is I owe Jesus. If you want to know who you owe... So let me ask you as we close, you want to get that response card out, you can if you like, and let me just ask you a couple of questions here. How in tune are you with your sin? Ask yourself that. It's not my business. None of my business. It really isn't. I'm not asking that, so I want to know what, well, give me the, give me the juicy stuff on you. I don't want that. I'm not after that. But it's important you understand your sin and see it clearly. Is it easier for you to see the sin of others than it is your own? If so, this parable is for you today. Do you see how much Jesus has forgiven you? He says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. No more turmoil. No more struggle. It changed her life. And it can change yours. 
How does it show? How does my acceptance of forgiveness really show? It shows in the way I treat Jesus Christ. That's the first place it shows itself. The way I treat Jesus Christ. Is my love radical for Him? Or is it reserved? Is, do, am I, do I have humility when it comes to what He has to say and His way, His will? Or am I prideful and stubborn? Am I generous or am I stingy with my time and my money and my energy? When He wants to use me, I think Alan said it yesterday, to bring heaven to earth. He wants to use me for that purpose. Will I find that will I have compassion for people and not just see all the flaws, but see the potential of faith and what they could be like Jesus does? Your response is critical this morning. Someone said this. I believe John Newton said this one time. I may be a great sinner, but praise God, Jesus is a great Savior. And let me encourage you to discover this. I hope you know this. I hope you can, can accept that. I don't know what you need to do this morning. But there needs to be a response today to this lesson. Don't leave indifferent. Don't leave just, well, I'm going to be the same old, same old. That's Simon. Maybe there's something you want to put on this, that card that's, I need God's help in this, Tim. I need, you know, uh, Cheryl said, pray for me. Pray for me. And, I'll, and I want to tell you, we're going to pray for her. As messed up as she is. And as we pray for her, I hope we'll pray for each other. Is there something you need help with? Write it on that card. Let people pray about that and talk to God about it. But maybe there's a decision you need to make. Maybe it's simply, I need my love needs to be radical. Yeah, I'm too reserved to him. I'm not looking very close at my sin. When I see other people, I don't, I'm not thinking about how good God has been to me. And I need to start thinking that way. We're going to sing a song, give you an opportunity to fill out this card. Um, and then we'll sing another song and collect that card, uh, your cards up as well as our weekly contribution. May God bless you to learn the lesson of the parable of the two debtors. Let's pray here. Lord God, um, we're all in the same boat. This morning we just come to you, whether first, second, or third class, it doesn't matter, Lord. We're all in the same boat. We all mess up. We've messed up this week. We've said something, looked at something, thought something, done something that we're not too proud of. And it just tells us over and over again. Not that we're so bad in a sense, Lord, but, but to say that we can't live a sinless life. If anything, Father, it, this week we, as we sin, we, you want to show us how good you are, how good you can be. Well, let us see our spiritual poverty. Let us see we're spiritually bankrupt. We cannot pay for what we've done. And let us see, let us appreciate the cross where it paid for damage that uh, was well beyond 
our means. And you did that because you loved us. Not because you had to, but you loved us. And Father, I pray this morning for us here that we, our hearts don't grow cold when we compare ourselves with others, but that it will be filled with compassion because we're only a couple of decisions away from the, the person we're critical of. We're, let us see how fragile how fragile it is in our hands, how solid it can be in yours. Let our response be love and nothing but love towards you. Father, I pray you help us treat you better. Treat your son better. Just treat him better, Lord. Better than we've been. Honor him more than anyone else. And Father, we pray that, well, we just simply say, Hallelujah, Father, what a Savior. We're, we're great sinners, but you're, your son's the greatest. Thank you for that pardon. Thank you for your forgiveness. And fill our hearts with gratitude to confirm that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.